Sometimes life forces evolution on us. You know, during the 2020 pandemic, that was certainly the case for a lot of people as the world went into lockdown. And during the height of the lockdown, I used to take long walks. One day, uh, in fact, I decided to walk nine miles or just over nine miles from my house to the closest ski resort. Sometimes those walks would be in silent. Sometimes I'd listen to music. Sometimes I'd have audiobooks on. But often, I would be on calls with friends, connecting and talking, pushing ideas, throwing things back and forth, and just trying to keep ourselves interested and busy. You know, ever since I gave up my radio show when I moved across the country for a job, I promised myself that I would get back into radio and have my own show again someday. The idea of radio eventually turned into podcasting, and one fateful day on a long walk, today's guest challenged me to start a podcast. At the time that we're recording this particular episode, we're about to release episode 81 of the Evolve podcast. Now, with some shorts and some bonus episodes, we've released almost 140 total episodes. Today's guest is an original co-host, a lifelong friend, and is back to talk to us about his evolution. Welcome to the Evolve podcast. Evolve your body, evolve your mind, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. And now, it's time to disrupt. And with that, folks, I want to welcome you to another episode of the Evolve Podcast. Joining me in his home in, I was going to say beautiful. I don't know that it's beautiful there uh, in Overland, Ohio, Miles, but uh, we'll call it's, it beautiful for today. It's, it's lush with trees, and uh, I'm living in a rural community. There you go. It's pretty beautiful. There you go. I was just watching on Amazon Prime season two of uh, Clarkson's Farm, and they showed a bunch of bunny rabbits fighting each other, which I've never seen before. And it made me think of you because of your uh, bunny rabbit that lives in there in in your house with you. Well, you know, real fast, real fast, my my car, the back of my car, which was when I was living in Utah, considered it my sex mobile. My car is now filled with hay. I'm not even sure how to respond to that one. <laughs> Joining me from the sex mobile that's now the Haymobile, W. Miles right. Riley. What's up, Steve? And with that, folks, uh, we are excited to welcome back former co host of the Evolve podcast, a great friend of ours, coming to us from beautiful, I can't say beautiful, because I know where he's at today, beautiful St. George, Utah, Casey Mitchell. Welcome, Casey. Hey, guys. Thanks for, uh, yeah, having me on. It's definitely not uh, northern Utah. So you, You've gone from the frozen tundra of Logan, Utah, where you where you live, and uh, you got a nice uh, little warm spot here for, for a yeah. couple of days. Yeah, I was in uh, Phoenix last weekend, and if you want warm in in February, go to Phoenix. Yeah, because that place that was like seventy five, and that was like weird to go from like five degrees to seventy five in an hour flight. It's been a cold, wow. cold winter here in Utah. We've, uh, in fact, I remember um, a few weeks ago driving up to your place uh, to come to your daughter's uh, wedding. And I woke up in the morning and looked at the uh, forecast, and uh, I don't even think it was single digits when I pulled it up. I think it, we had, it had reached zero degrees, but uh, it was going to be in in single digits. And uh, you know, maybe luckily 
uh, double digits. So we dressed appropriately. Well, we're excited to have Casey back. Casey uh, is a uh, uh, former co-host of the Evolve podcast before life took him in a different direction. And we want to talk a little bit more about his evolution. Uh, Casey, I think, you know, as I was uh, looking through your bio, um, really, there's only two things that matter aside from being my friend and Holly's husband. Um, I think those are the two best defining qualities about you. Uh, tell our listeners who may not have heard you on our original episodes uh, a little bit about yourself. Yeah, it's probably the only two to the matter, huh, Steve? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we should probably say um, Holly's husband is even more important than my friend, but I don't yeah. know. Yeah, a little bit. It could be. I Yeah. You know, I love the your opening there on Disrupt. And I think about as we've chatted a little bit co- coming on to be with you guys on this episode, um, I've kind of just done a mental uh, journey uh, of my my life in the last 20 years. And, you know, I'm originally from Logan, Utah. And then after I uh, got married and uh, we moved Salt Lake where we met you and, and Danielle and then from there, we've been, you know, on the journey. We've, we've, uh, I mean, it, it's been awesome um, to disrupt and and evolve throughout our lives in in small little ways and sometimes large increments. Um, but we've been able to live in a lot of cool places around the country and kind of and have come full circle in a sense, uh, um, logistically coming back to Logan about a year and a half ago, which honestly never thought. Um, we, we honestly never, that was never the plan. It was never on the radar. Um, you know, that it, things happen in life and uh, opportunities open up and we uh, felt that was the best thing to do. And we're back in our hometown and um, it's been, it's been awesome. Um, it's been a lot better than I anticipated it, it being. And our, our kids have just uh, really, you know, it was hard, obviously, for teenage kids to to relocate school and friends and and uh, all the things they do. But they've done very very well, and they've they've disrupted very well. Uh, and I love watching that. Uh, I think that's one of the coolest things about the journey people are on is when you can look around and take note of the people you love and care about on that journey and see their evolution and, and their growth and the challenges that they're willing to work through. That's a pretty cool thing. And I really enjoyed that. So it's been a cool journey. Um, really enjoyed all of the experiences and people and, and places we've lived. And I uh, just love being back in the mountains. So yeah. And you're currently working for a company as a vice president of construction and uh, you're, you're a pretty busy guy. I mean, you're in St. George right now. Uh, I went down there for a business trip, but you're also down there for your daughter's, uh, what is she in a wrestling match? Is that right? Yeah. It's the state divisionals. So they wrestled today, which will decide the top eight that wrestle next week for state. So yeah, it worked out well. We have an, we have four offices in Utah from Logan to St. George and worked here down here with my my teams and yesterday and now get to be here with my daughter, watch her wrestle, watch her uh disrupt some people's lives on the mat. Nice. <laughs> 
<laughs> and you you've you've yeah. bounced around quite a bit with your kids uh you know yeah. from uh, wrestling matches to lacrosse tournaments i mean you're yeah. you're all yeah. over the place you're you're staying uh very busy but i uh, you know we'll get into what you're doing as a father uh in a little bit i want to i want to talk about uh as an anchor point casey this mantra that you've had for uh, i don't know how long now but i know you and i've talked about it for uh probably the better part of a year uh you've really put in this mantra uh into a daily practice in your life i know you and i get up around the same time every morning around that 4 a.m yeah. Uh, which I think is probably the best time in the world to be up in my yeah. mind. I just, I absolutely. absolutely love that first hour of the day. Um, yeah. And you have, uh, you've implemented this mantra that has made a significant impact on you. Uh, tell our listeners about the mantra. And yeah. I guess let, let's start there. Why did you choose it? Why did that become the thing that you were starting to anchor your mental practice on? That's great. Uh, yeah, that's cool. I, so when I first came on board with uh, visionary homes back in uh, May, um, last spring, the, the guys that the directors that report to me had already signed up to go to this, uh, it's called muster and it's put on by echelon front. And it's the, it's the guys that wrote the book, extreme ownership, Jocko mm -hmm. willing, and Leaf Babin, yep. and they're both ex Navy SEALs, and they're like, "You, you want to go this?" I'm like, "Well, you all are going. I probably should." So I grabbed the book, read the book in like two weeks for the thing. I wanted to know what the heck we're going into, and uh, we get there, and I'm thinking, you know, I, I've been disclaimer, I. I'll challenge most people on how much I love and support the military and, and just I'm so grateful for men and women who are willing to do that. But then I, I get there and I'm looking around the room in the lobby of the hotel and thinking, oh, my gosh, this is going to be a freaking I'm a I'm a badass. Who's the biggest badass in the room uh, mm. competition and, and all these posers of. I'm, 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 you know, maybe I should have, couldn't make the military or what, like, I just don't like the fakeness of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I was feeling like I'm walking into this environment where I'm going to be told by a bunch of yelled at, screamed at, you know, you, you civilians, you don't know how to do things, blah, blah, blah. Cause the book's pretty aggressive. And I, I've, I'm assuming you've read the book, Steve. Yeah. I don't know if yep. miles, if you've read it. Yeah. Um, I read it. Yeah, it's an awesome book. Like the principles of leadership in it are, couldn't resonate more. They're just so pure and true foundational principles. But I was just a little bit uneasy about the whole thing. We get in there. It's a two-day deal. And this one was in Denver. It's a two-day deal. And they, I mean, it's, it's extremely well organized. The it's all like the timelines are to the Like there's no, there's no missing a timeline. It, it's all done real well. Um, about t five minutes into it, I'm like, wait, this stuff, this legit, like it, 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 like it grabbed me the first 10 minutes and the mantra is for me and, and what you hear in the book and is discipline equals freedom. And so I, I not only, uh, liked hearing that, but I dove into the rabbit hole and I continue to dig in that rabbit hole, I'm going to find China one day 
as I keep digging <laughs> in that rabbit hole. But uh, I have I have become baptized into the discipline equals freedom mantra, and I can't I can't really like explain it in a in a short way. But I can tell you this that I've been through. I mean, I've been through a lot of leadership training in my career, be it um, good, bad, or indifferent, and I've never been impacted um, internally the way this has impacted me. Mm. And I've never stuck with something this way either. Um, and I think my, my teams at work or some of them are like, Oh boy, we're going to hear Casey's doing a, doing a, a meeting. We're going to watch another Jocko video. Yep. We are. <laughs> we're going to watch a Jocko video like every damn week. We're going to watch one and uh, we're going to talk about it and we're going to apply it to how we operate. Um, so Discipline I, equals freedom is his second book. Yeah. Oh, is it? Well, no, no, his second book is Dichotomy of Leadership. Oh, right. The Dichotomy of Leadership. Yeah, I read that one. But he has that. Yeah. But Discipline Equals Freedom is a, a, and I like the way it's written. Yeah. Because it's not written in that style, like a a straight through book. It's almost like it's a book that forces you to pause after he says certain things and he relates certain things. It's a tremendous book. Yeah. I love the way he uses how he led his his troops in in iraq with those leadership principles and then you then then equals it into how he leads and helps organizations in the, in the same principles it's pretty cool but so that's that's where i'm at with like i wake up every morning 4 a.m the first thing out of my head is discipline equals freedom let's go get some and okay. i just i just go i i don't know like i don't i can't like pinpoint, like some things you in life, you're like this day, this time, this thing hit me. And from then on, it's been X. Like, well, maybe it was that day in June, but from June of last summer to today, I just have benefited exponentially in my personal life, in, in striving to increase discipline equals freedom in my life. And the way I lead in a leadership position in my work, and uh, there's two, there's two uh, um, that I would highly suggest everyone watches often. Um, one is called "It's not, it's not what you preach, it's what you tolerate," mm. and that's a video that you can Google on, or I'll go to YouTube. It, Leaf Babin does that one, and then Jocko does. There's a snippet from the uh, Extreme Ownership Muster Training where he talks about leadership capital. I watch those about four or five times a month each. And because they, I gained something different and I learned something different about me and about what I need to do with, with my, with my life and with my leadership role in work with the people that I, uh, I, I interact with. And, and I love that. And uh, so discipline equals freedom. Like I'm pushing on my kids. Um, you know, my Holly is already way more disciplined than I am. So she's kind of like, well, you're finally getting there. So good job. But um, as the Australians so, say, thanks. Thanks for catching up, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's about time you caught up. It only took 25 years. Yeah. But um, I just love it. Um, you know, there's a book that I'm, and I gave you a copy of that book, Steve, uh, three simple things yeah. by Thomas, Tom J. Yeah. 
And that book uh, equally impactful to me um, as uh, Jocko's book. Um, and, and I'm working through that book with my team and make, giving them some pretty hard challenges to do. And, and one thing that I've added to what I say and do every day from Tom Shea's book is he, he was, a, he was a Navy SEAL also, but he, he went in after the SEALs and he, he's now, um, does leadership things and coaching and whatnot. And he, he, uh, wanted to do an ultra marathon hundred mile, whatever. And so he, he, he paid this guy that does these to, to train him for, I don't know, a week or something, just trying to figure it out. And the guy finally told him, says, look, Tom, he, he's like, you're in your head. Like, here's how it works. Runners run, leaders lead, hikers hike, like just shut up and get it done. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh, really like that. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot in there, but I, what I've learned through discipline equals freedom that I think a, people need to learn in general is we are the noise in our world. The volume like doesn't have an high, a high end yet. Yeah. Like it just keeps getting louder and louder and discipline equals freedom helps me control that noise. And I, and I, I can shut noise out that I used to pay attention to that doesn't even matter anymore. And I focus on, on the, on the noise that I need to focus on. And, and I, I just really like that. It's been so beneficial in my journey in the, since June to today. So I don't know if that's, I think, I that's, think there's a lot of power. Yeah. There's a lot of power in this idea that you take one mantra, one, one idea, and you continue yeah. to go over it and over it and over it. Um, I, I wouldn't even call it an affirmation. You know, I think that there there's some benefit to people doing affirmations. In fact, there, there are some studies that say that if you do affirmations, that uh, it can help to rewire your brain. But there is benefit to uh, this, this idea of taking a mantra, taking something, taking some sort of belief and repeating it over and over and over again. Very simple. Discipline equals freedom. But yet, you find application in it. And as yeah. you mentioned before, you can't always remember a time. You can't always remember this situation where it's like, oh yeah, this one thing happened. And generally, I think that's what evolution is about. That's how people uh, evolve their life. It's not a massive disruption all the time, right? It's not this uh, pandemic or a job loss or a, you know a baby coming into the world. That's uh, Yes, those things create some disruption and force us to evolve. But most evolution, from my experience, personally and coaching people, has been these simple things that they do that they repeat over and over and over again. Because you find then, as you're working out, that discipline equals freedom, which means you're going to push another couple reps. You find that in that moment where you might be really frustrated at work, and as you just said, leaders lead, you may want to uh, say something out of anger or frustration, but you say, ah, leaders lead. And so I need to, yep. I need to lead. I need to be yeah. calm. I need to uh, direct my energy in the right way. So I think there's a lot of power behind picking a mantra and then sticking with it. And you start to see that thing uh, unravel, or excuse me, I, I guess, open up in your life, but then you also see it woven into different areas of your life. 
Um, I know that I want to shift just a little bit because I know that this is a mantra, as you said before, you've been talking to your kids about, and your son has really gone deep into uh, competitive lacrosse in particular, right? He's played yeah, uh, football, yeah. he does lacrosse, but he's he's really taken off in lacrosse. And this is something that you have been talking to him about for quite some time uh, yeah. as a young kid. What are you noticing as a father when you teach this to your kids? What are some of the benefits that are coming out from it? Yeah, Spencer, uh, and he's undefeated in region wrestling right now. But um, he, uh, he, you know, that kid, um, well, first of all, he, um, so grateful that he got Holly's smarts because he's an amazing student in class. Uh, but he, you know, he, he bought into, um, before I, before I started pushing discipline equals freedom, I probably was pushing it in a different way with him, um, with not using those words. But Spencer is a kid that um, I've always told him, I said, with athletics, uh, you can be, you, there's a lot of ways to be involved. Like you can be a bench rider, you can be on the sideline, you can, you can play once in a while, or, or you can be that kid that, I, the coach can't take me off the field because if he does, we're not going to do well. Yeah. So which, which kid do you want to be? Cause it, you, whatever you tell me, I'm going to push you in that direction. And, uh, he's like, I, and I said, and I said, you want to lead out in athletics. There, there's the pack. And then there's the guys that we all talk about. Who do you want to be? And, uh, he said, I want to be the guy you talk about. I said, all right, well, here's what you got to do. And he's, and he's, he's taken that at his age, young AM, he's 14 and he's a kid like, he, so this spring will be his first high school season of lacrosse and months like back in the fall during football season on a Sunday afternoon, I was like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to Elkridge park, which is down the street. Scott, it's, it's where there's some lacrosse fields. And I said, well, you want me to go? He goes, no, I've, I texted some of the seniors that are meeting me there. I'm going to do some one-on-ones with them. Like, Nice. What? <laughs> like, I, I don't, I had to like turn around cause I started crying. I was so proud of him, but I, I was like, wait a second, you're going to go on a Sunday afternoon. You've arranged this. You reached out to seniors because you want to go against what's green cane high school says are the best. And you want to push them and get better. Like how many 14 year old kids do that? Right. Yeah. And yeah. not many uh, that I've been around. Um, and, and he quit texting or reaching out to kids his age that kept coming up with reasons why they couldn't show up. Mm. And I think that's, that's a probably a greater lesson than it is the kids that show up Yeah, because he then just can see where the pack is and where the leaders are yeah. on his own. And uh, it has been awesome. Like he, he's just a grinder. I, I, I told him, couple three years ago I said son you want to make it past high school athletics it's a very simple formula be consistent in the grind every day do all the things that no one wants to do outside of practice and that opens up doors and if those doors want you then you go if they don't then well at least you're a better person because of it so he he's bought into that and he's a grinder you know he's just he just grinds it out it's fun to watch 14 yeah. is a really critical, critical, <clears throat> critical age. I, I told yeah. my son Tiago, I said, I said, all I really want you to do is pay attention to your friends and watch 
where the direction that they're taking. Yeah. He's got some friends that have literally become mediocre. Yep. He's got some friends that are brilliant and he's decided. It's really interesting to hear you talk about your son at 14 because Tiago's also 14 yeah. and, and he's starting on the varsity his freshman year as a, um, a soccer. Oh, no, what he, rec- yeah, what he yeah. recognizes, it's interesting because I can hear some parallels with what your son is going through yeah. in terms of where they are athletically. Yeah. And that's why I say pay attention and you'll figure out where you fit and what you want to do. So that's yeah. really interesting to hear that about your boy. Uh, Miles, that's perfect. I mean, that's that's exactly like that. that I'm going to use that with Spencer. Like, just pay attention, man. Like, I, I haven't used that and I'm going to use that because, you know, he and I told him, I says, in academics, I says, if, if your if your school, if your academics is in order, uh, last summer, I mean, last summer before he's even in high school, he went to this, they call it, they have these lacrosse things called showcases and actually college coaches come and run it and do all this stuff. And I'm leaving and this coach runs me down from some uh, college, you know, in a back Midwest East area. And he says, hey, so yeah, what's up? He goes, hey, where does Spencer want to play college across that? I go, the dude, I said, he's 13. I don't know. Like, <laughs> what What do you mean? Like, you're going me a scholarship right now? Like, what are you talking about? He hasn't even played high school yet. What company he is goes, he going to retire from, Casey? Come on. Yeah. What, yeah. What Come on now. Let's, I'm not playing his life best good enough, I guess. And, yeah, I, and, right. I, and the reason I bring it up, he goes, <laughs> the next question was, how are his grades? Mm. I say he's straight A's. He goes, yeah, no problem. He can play wherever he wants. And uh, so he recognized Spencer's talent and hard work. But the first question was, how are his grades? And whether whether Spencer plays college athletics or not is irrelevant to me. It's the, the development of this young man. He's bought into discipline equals freedom. And he's doing all the things that are going to set him up for success in life that, like you said, Miles, pay attention. The boys that are going down the rabbit hole of mediocrity and complacency and victimhood and all those all those things that happen. Like your son and my son are choosing not to be in those lanes. And it's a really cool thing to see. And, you know, he and Steve and I have talked about like the whole um, not not why you earn a degree at a um, at Yale or Harvard or Stanford or whatever. But what are the uh, external things that you get from that? Yeah. And. And Spencer has recently gotten some recognition from a couple, one Yale and uh, and Brown and Cornell, and and they and I told him that and I, I said, son, you don't have to think you got to go to an Ivy League, but them knowing you exist, they don't they don't know you exist because how good a lacrosse player you are. They know you exist because when I when you go to tournaments, we have to we have to fill out all this academic stuff about you. They look at that. And they're like, oh, this kid's a Ivy League type student. Yeah, we can talk to him. Yeah, and that's just one of those cool things that you know, pay attention. I really like that. So I'm going to steal that from you, Miles. It's all so. yours. <laughs> I think. I think that yeah. one of the important points here for uh, for fathers that are listening to this, uh, we had mothers too, but uh, you know, we're three guys, so I'm not going to give advice yeah. to a mother. Um, the, <laughs> The principles, when you teach these concepts, you teach these principles, if you continually repeat these concepts and these principles, it's amazing what happens when the kids pick up yeah. on it and how yeah. they start to apply these things. Um, you know, my, uh, my, my daughter, uh, my second daughter and I were talking, uh, you know, as she was getting into different leadership positions in her 
uh, on her drill team. And then she had the opportunity in her senior year to be the uh, head captain of the drill team. And there were so many things that I've just repeated over and over and over again over the years. And you never know what's going to stick. Some things stick, some things don't, but each kid's going to resonate a little bit different with what you put out there. And so again, that's why I love this concept of pick a mantra, you stick with it. You personally find evolution points, you find iterations in your life where you can continue to evolve. But your kids are going to glean a lot from that. I think the antithesis of that is the parent out there, especially the dad out there that's trying to live their life through their kids. Um, you know, parents have got a cautionary tale uh, when it comes to trying to force your kid into a sport or you yeah. show up and you're that dad that, you know, my yeah, kid's yeah. the greatest, my kid's the this and that. And um, I, that that mentality has always bothered me. Uh, because oh, I think yeah. kids need to be, yeah. they, they need to, they need to learn and grow on their own. Uh, yeah. I was joking the other day, uh, you know, one of my, one of the great people that I know, uh, former NBA player, um, and he was, uh, he used to work teaching uh, basketball for us uh, at the gym that I used to manage. And somebody came in and said, hey, I'm looking for a basketball coach for my son. And uh, sure enough, you know, one of the employees said, oh, yeah, well, you're in luck. We've got uh, uh, so-and-so who's a former NBA player, yeah. you know, great player. Uh, it, it, he, he coaches here for us. And the dad goes, well, I'm not sure if he's good enough for my son. And I just sat there when I heard this story. I'm like, so an NCAA champion and... And mo- like you got to be kidding yeah. me, uh, an NBA yeah. pro, NCAA champion. You're not sure if that's good enough for your kid. Come on, get, pull your head out. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, a that's that, a that dad probably was a pine rider in high school, or never even played, right? And played. and so they're trying yeah. to live through their kid, and I think yeah. that's a challenge that parents have. I it's you gotta you gotta you gotta have your own path of evolution and these yeah. principles, however they applied. Uh, in life are are important. You know, I, I, I thought growing up uh, that I would have kids that would be into athletics. I mean, I love basketball. Uh, I love outdoor stuff. I love climbing. And I thought that my kids were, were going to follow suit, right? You just kind of assume that they do. We yeah. were hiking a lot as a family. We would go camping. and uh, But I never forced this idea right. of, on them. Well, my oldest didn't enjoy any sports really, you know, she got into engineering. And I remember when we sat at this uh, engineering competition where they had to build Legos and program the robot and do these different tasks with the robot. I remember sitting there and thinking, wow, this is just mind blowing to me. Like my my wife played soccer in high school. I loved playing basketball. I was uh, an outdoor hippie. I would have never thought in a million years that we'd be sitting at an engineering competition. And yet I was so proud that we were there, yeah. that here's my daughter yeah. forging her path in life and still applying the same principles of work and solving problems and you know uh, creating this ongoing evolution. And then our second yeah. daughter getting into dance and then my son getting into skateboarding and snowboarding. I mean, they, they've each chosen their, their respective paths, but it was nothing that I would have chosen for them which doesn't mean that's a bad thing. I, I think that's a good thing. No, so that's actually a good thing that they feel that safety and freedom to do their path. And I, it's like you give them form, you give them form, yeah. let them pick. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like these forms 
or it's almost like um you know plato's archetypes you give them yeah. a form and they might not do what you did but they've got a form and they yeah. find their own path and they fill it with the say in this case the discipline equals freedom yeah so that's just a form correct you tell your kid well you know what Discipline equals freedom. If you use that anywhere in your life, it doesn't have to be what I recommend. Once you pick your own path and you apply discipline equals freedom, you will be a badass. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Miles, you played basketball, your son plays soccer. And Casey, uh, your your daughter's got involved in sports that um, I I remember one conversation uh, with your daughter getting involved in, in powerlifting. And the- yeah, she does Olympic weightlifting. She's still doing it. And she uh, competed in a couple tournaments in Southern California. And like, I, I mean, that's an athletic thing, but that's my, like you're saying how your daughter in the engineering thing, like I sat there and watched my daughter compete in Southern California. I'm thinking, this is crazy. Yeah. Like that is so cool that she would seek that out and, and do it and really, like she loved she she's actually going to go to school down here in St. George in the fall and there's a gym she's already got picked out down here to really get back hot and heavy into that olympic training and it's crazy i just i just i'm i just i don't know like i i didn't even know that was a thing for girls so <laughs> right it's awesome but she founded and she had the yeah. she had the courage to just say hey i'm going to yeah. do this which is not a typical yeah. sport for uh for girls at that age no. and, and not typical for girls no. to step out and to say yeah. uh i'm going to go all in on this because you know i mean you think about those uh the, those young formative years especially for girls they want to just fit in right they want to look like the yeah. other girls they want to they want to be a part of the in crowd and so it takes a, a certain amount of disruption to say no this is who i am yeah. this is what i enjoy and yeah. I think that that's uh, that's an important thing for parents to recognize that each kid is yeah. going to choose their own path, and as long as that form, that archetype, that message is there, uh, they're going to find their way to uh, to navigate that. Casey, talk a little bit about how you are supporting your kids in their uh, in their relative roles and responsibilities and and things that they've chosen to do. Well, the mantra discipline equals freedom. Uh, at, I think this is a very pivotal way. I, I've always, hopefully, with my children and even at work, I, not so much like hear what I'm saying as much as I see what I'm doing. Yeah. Attitude, and uh, you know, back in June. So then I get home from this enlightenment. Went from a this going to be annoying a bunch of guys with bought their shirts and baby gap and their small biceps sticking out to <laughs> the, uh, this unbelievable, like amazing experience. Right. And so, yeah. So I get back and, uh, well, they maybe maybe they raided your shirt drawer, Steve. They may, know, yeah. They, they may uh, have. Yeah. <laughs> they grabbed my, but anyways, <laughs> yeah. yeah, my mediums. mediums, but, uh, everything's bandex. Let's go spandex. Yeah. But, uh, um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I I, anyways, that. I get home and I'm like, all right, I'm in on this. What am I doing? And I love hiking. Um, and I didn't realize how much I loved it till I uh, live at the base of some mountains now. And um, I love it. And there's, a, there's this Canyon called green Canyon and uh, the left side Ridge and the right side Ridge have trails going all the way up to the top on each Ridge on the Canyon on each side. And I started hiking that and I, there's a, there's a, you know, and it's 
it is, it is, it's steep. Mm. I mean, it's just, it's right up the face of the mountain basically. And, and there's a point about a half mile up where it levels off. Um, you can see it very clearly from town anyways. So that was my spot. Like, okay, how fast can I get to that spot? That's my turnaround spot each day. So I started doing that and I started doing it three or four times a week. And the first time I did it, um, it took me, I had to stop and catch my breath five times to get to that turnaround spot. So that did. So then that, that pissed me off. I'm like, okay, that sucks. I need to see, I want to get to where I can go from to, to, to no stops. Um, and so I just kept doing it and just kept every week. And I never invited anyone to go with me. Uh, the dog always went with me, but I, I just kept going. And what's interesting <laughs> the is... The dog was the uninvited guest. <laughs> yeah. He just... I figured him crapping in the woods is better than him crapping in my yard. So yeah, take yeah. the dog. And uh, so we go... We're on this almost every day. And the days I'm not uh, working out, doing other things. So, you know, as you guys know, like when you're doing physical things, hard physical things, like you feel amazing. Uh, not really at the time, but after, and then it feeds the fuel. Like, what more can I do? How much more can I get better? And yeah. so I started chipping away at that. And I, you know, discipline equals freedom. I, man, I probably said that a thousand times walking that trail and uh, just keep going. And I didn't really, oh, I wasn't really trying to be aware of what was, who was watching that. But my kids saw that, especially my two youngest, because our oldest doesn't live at the house anymore. Plus she's married now. But anyways, they, they would come like, how, how's your hike? I'm like, oh, I didn't even know you knew I went like, yeah. And then, so I went from June from struggling, stopping five times and it took, it literally took till October to get to where I could walk that, that thing to that turnaround spot without stopping. And that, I, you know, with the little battles that you challenges you put on yourself in life, but I, no one really cares about that but me, but I can look back and conversations I've had with people and people ask, like I, you know, when you're doing something, you have a challenge, you have a goal and you start telling people about it. People who, uh, who that resonates with, they'll say, Hey, how's that going? Or how, how are you coming on that goal? Or how's that, how's your hiking? Where'd you hike this weekend? And I love that people did that with me because it also helps me stay disciplined on getting up the next morning and going. Right. Um, and so my children watch that and I watch them like as I have as a father, but I watch them in a different way. Like, what are they doing? What does their grind really look like? Not just like my son in athletics, but just their grind. Like, what is their day? And my kids uh, have been a, a huge example to me of like, they're, they're better at the get the important things done first mindset than I am. Mm. And I was like, huh, that's cool. Like, I guess I could do better at that. So <laughs> that's, that's been a cool thing to see. And I, and I think part of them seeing dad on that mountain almost every day um, and how determined I am that, and the, and so then you think, okay, so what, so what, so what does that do? So what, how'd that work out for you? Well, the we would in the fall is you know in utah the fall colors it's incredible um holly and i would go on 
then and Hollywood's in really good shape because she's been she trained last summer and fall for a half marathon. So her she's really good. So we go on these hikes on the on Saturdays, look at the colors, and there's like like there's nowhere I can't hike. Like I can go on any hike. There's yeah. nowhere like oh that's too steep or that's too long. Like I can that's the freedom. I created that freedom through the discipline. And funny thing, we went on a hike. Her, I took her with me to see some the colors. And the year prior, the first, when we just moved back, I went on that same hike, and it's uh, it's uh, Swan Creek Peak. It's almost to Bear Lake, and um, and the first mile is literally just there's no it's not even no switchbacks. It's just like straight up, like. Mm. And the first time I did that, like that thing about killed me. And I told Holly, I says, "Hey, this first mile is rough." I said, "Last year, it was hard." And so we're hiking it, we're, we're on it and we didn't say anything for a while, but we were both thinking the same thing. We're like, I'm to myself, is this the same trail? Like this can't be the same trail, but it feels like the same trail. Like it looks like yeah. the same trail. Yeah. And Holly, finds the trail? Her, Holly turns around the and trail, goes, yeah. yeah, Holly turns around and goes, so when does this get hard? I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It was it kicked my ass last year, but it's yeah, pretty yeah. easy this year. I don't know. Like That's we didn't awesome. even stop. We just got to the top and we're like, huh? Yeah, that was it. So <laughs> never mind. Never yeah, mind. And like, so I mean that is that was a fun experience. But looking back on like all of those mornings on that ridge and working out and and all those things and talking to people, it all. Like that wasn't what the point was to walk that one mile without stopping, but that's the freedom. And then at work, people like, you know, I, I noticed that I did better. I do better with my hours at the office because of outcomes. I want better outcomes. Yeah. yeah. So I create greater discipline. I get better outcomes. I create more freedom. Like it's just a, it's that cycle of success that I just, I'm so hungry for. And, I haven't, I just have so much farther to go, but I'm just, it just, I love it. I love that whole scenario. So, and the fact that your brain is always working. Yeah. Even when, when you go through the grind Yeah. and say the grind is over for the day, you did your grind, you struggled yeah. with it. Yeah. The brain is still figuring out how to get you through it. I, I remember with um, Andrew Huberman, because it's interesting, you're talking about, this this grind of the of the hike and i can relate it to the grind of trying to learn a particular um piano passage it's the yeah. same thing oh absolutely. absolutely and 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 um um mel robbins talked about it's called the reticular activating system it's the part of your mind that when you stop doing something that part of your mind is still solving the problem. Yeah. Yeah. So you've yeah. already gone through the grind. You're laying in your bed, you're watching a TV show, you're reading a book, but your brain is always saying, okay, this is how we get through this maze. Yeah. This is the work. This is it. And all, every time you do it again, you realize, wait, it's a little easier. It's a little easier. Yeah. It's a little easier. And the next thing you know, you're not paying attention to it anymore because you're looking for the next thing right. that you want to grind. Yeah. I think the other yeah, thing too is, there, is you is put great things into the world. Part of that, so, I said, is there a visualization part of that? Because what you're saying, I would at night or whatever, laying in bed, I would see that I would see my feet walking on on that ridge. Yeah, and the parts that were really hard, I'm like, I see it. I want to get pat. Like I want, 
when I was, you know, like as dumb as it sounds, I'd come home like Holly. She's like, well, I'm like, I only stopped three times this morning. <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't understand how hard that is. Yeah. Like, you know, and the dog's looking at me like, dude, I can run this nine times. What are you stopping for? Like the dog, it's funny because dogs run in circles he, he around like, you. Yeah. And it's like that damn dog. I'm like trying to beat the dog. Like what, why am I trying to beat a dog? Like, there's no way I'm going to do that, but it was just, I'm just such a competitive person. I'm trying to compete against a dog, but I like, that was a big thing. And I visualized that like that part of that hike, that real steep part where those rocks are loose and I got to navigate, like my mind just keeps going. Like you said, it just keeps working it out. Well, she talked about whether it's, she said there's two ways. She said there's certain, depending on who you are, if you're a visually inclined person, then you can see it. Yeah. If you're a feeling person, you can feel it. Yeah. And, and and both both impact the particular person in the exact same way. Right, right. No, that makes sense. And if you want to train that, that's something that, you know, the thing that I found, the best yeah. way to train people is to get the visual and the feeling there together. Yeah. That's something that right. I do in... Yeah. When I'm uh, lecturing to companies and talking to them in leadership positions, I'll have them close their eyes, visualize it, and then sit in the feeling of whatever it is that they want to create. Um, I, I want to go back for just a second, though, Casey, to something that you, you're you referencing. When you put things out into the world, like you're putting out into the world, not just this mantra of discipline equals freedom, but the, you're, you're living it. And so by putting that out into the world, you have then seen the reciprocation come back to you in the way that your yeah. kids are showing up. And you're saying, wow, they're really good at doing X, whereas I'm good at doing Y. Maybe I could get better at X. I think that's one of the great things that uh, men in particular need to learn as leaders, that when you take a mantra, you uh, commit to living that mantra, and you start to do that over and over and over again, other people will pick up on it. They'll translate it into their own lives. And then that gives you fuel for your fire. And it gives you something that you can learn from. I still say to this day, I've learned some of the greatest lessons in life, not only from my kids, but those that uh, I've uh, that have worked for me uh, when I've been in leadership positions. Because when I put concepts, principles out there, they find ways to apply those things in in, in yeah. ways that I wouldn't have thought of. And I think that's one of the great benefits of, of uh, choosing to be a leader uh, in life, whether you're a father or you're a leader in business or whatever it is, because that, uh, that mantra, that example that you put into the world, it comes back significantly. Yeah. I also want to touch on that, um, this idea of challenges to yourself. Um, you know, the reality is when we die, uh, there's going to be a few people that remember us for a few years. But, uh, you know, one generation, two generations down the road, we're going to be completely forgotten or largely forgotten, yeah. right? Unless we're, we are uh, a very, very select few individuals. Right. So when you look at it from that cosmic perspective, how important are these challenges to yourself? Well, they're extremely important for you because yeah. it helps you to become a better person. It helps you to say, all right, I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of showing up in this way. I'm proud of the fact that I'm pushing myself and you're doing it for yourself. And so I think that those Every successful person I've ever met, whether they were successful as a musician, an artist, a businessman, uh, whatever whatever success that they uh, you know achieved, they challenged themselves. Life became a game. 
just like you're talking about getting yeah. to that top of that hill and stopping three times instead of five that's that's part of how you iterate that's part of how you evolve yeah. you evolve by doing something over and over and over again and playing the game and challenging yourself so i can't stress that enough and yeah. you got to celebrate those wins right you got to come home and say yeah, Holly, yeah, yeah. i only yeah. stopped three times yeah makes a big difference absolutely uh in in how you show up in life um casey you have shown up with an example you've shown up with a mantra consistently uh, I know it's affected your kids because they are, uh, you know, they're following in your footsteps, but they're doing it in their own way. What are some other ways that you're seeing this discipline equals freedom uh, come back to you from other people? So I, I wanted to touch on on something like this, uh, Steve, because lately I've I've gone back to my notes from your leadership training on leader of self, leader of others. And, and using that, intertwining that into discipline equals freedom. Mm. And the directors that, that report to, to me in our company, a uh, great group of guys, you've met all of them. Um, but they, the, the challenge I've, I've seen, and, and I don't know in other industries, I've only been in construction management, but the challenges in, in my industry are we have, uh, we have almost a cesspool of A-type personalities uh, and, and then you got to figure out how to, how to work well together. We, we, we make the comment of let's all play nice in the sandbox type attitude, but we, uh, so we, we have these guys and typically, uh, and usually the majority doesn't go well. And it's always a battle is, and I think this happens in a lot of industry, you promote like this guy's an amazing team leader. He'll be an amazing director. So you promote him but you don't train them how to be a director. Yeah. And so what is, what is the person going to do? They're going to go back to their comfort zone. They're going to be a great team leader in the wrong position. Yep. And so I, I have these guys that um, they were real good superintendents. They were real good, whatever the next level was. And now they're directors Yet they've never been trained uh, before. Um, not that they, they haven't been, and I'll just say is they haven't been trained to be a director until I came on board and and evaluated things and said oh i've been there i've been i was a superintendent i was project management i was director of operations i've been in these levels where i was frustrated in those levels because it wasn't going well and it wasn't because of the people i was trying to manage or lead is because i didn't understand my job i didn't understand my expectations i didn't understand yeah. what it was my role was supposed to accomplish and so i've gone the last few months with these guys um, reiterating discipline, like leadership capital video is huge. And Jocko says, you constantly need to be earning leadership capital. And you do that by taking care of your people, by building empowerment, by autonomy, by trust, by verification, by all those things. And I tell these guys, I actually had to do this with them. They are so like, they thought, and they do a decent job and they're doing way better now, but they they thought that them grabbing on to the weeds of what the superintendent is supposed to do and yanking those weeds out for them was actually helping them and training them. Yeah. And I've literally had hard conversations with each. I'm like, if you touch that weed again, you and I are going to have some problems. Like this is not your job. Your job was to be a director, stay at your level. And so I've had to go through that in the situation of, 
do you understand what your role is? Do you understand what's expected of you? And let me, let me get involved in a lot of things that you said, Steve, in coach, in a leader of others and, and, and the, and the part of coaching, you said, I wrote down, you said, fire yourself today and your new job. And the only title you can have is coach. Yep. And so I said, guys, coaching isn't, I'm when I, I, when I coached this past fall, the freshman football team, I didn't go on the field during the game and make the play for them because they didn't know what they're doing. Like that wasn't, that's not coaching. That's pulling their weed. That's not helping them. But coaching, I said, you guys are going to actually have to either lock arms or lock hip and walk this individual through what it is you expect them to do and answer all the questions while you're doing it and let them pull the weed of clarity and understanding so that next time all you're doing is trust by verification. Yeah. I said, what you guys have been doing, you thought you were helping, you thought you were helping these guys improve, but all you were doing was enabling. And the, the model behavior was if I'm a superintendent and I'm reporting to somebody that's pulling my weeds, I don't have to worry. Like it doesn't matter what I do because they're going to come and pull them anyways. So I'll just, I'll just drive around town or whatever. Like that's what you guys have trained these guys to do. And, and there's been some huge aha moments. There's been some tears. There's been some arguments. There's been everything. Mm-hmm. I said, look, if you want to be a superintendent, I'll put you in a superintendent role and dock your pay. Or do you want to be a director? Like that's where we're going with all this. And, and they've all in the past 30 days have said, I can't believe two things. One, how much I stifled my team when I thought I was helping them and two, how fast my teams have grown and taken ownership and become better because I stayed out of their way and did my job. Oh, it's huge. I said, look, my mentor, my mentor in the industry years ago, uh, incredible human. He said this, he, he, he didn't say a lot of, he didn't, he didn't like have a lot of, he didn't talk a lot. But what he said, he did. And he said, I hire the very best people I can find. Mm-hmm. And then I get out of their way and let them do their job. Yeah. And it's not like I never, I don't support or help them. I just get out of their way. Like, get out of their way. I, I tell, tell these guys, you guys are so in the way of these guys doing their job that I don't even know if they know how to do their job. Yeah. Or they're so frustrated because if they turn left, you're going to come back and make them turn right and not even explain why. Like, you got to be leaders. And, and, and so we've been on that path for the last 30, 60 days. And I actually made them put on their Outlook calendar February 1, 2023, because I gave them, I think, 45 days before that. I said, February 1, 2023, it is, it is a job requirement for you as a director to not touch anybody else's weeds. I had not put on their mm-hmm. calendar to have the visual, to have a deadline. Like my industry really works around deadlines, emotional and all that. I said, put it on your calendar, work towards that and, and that. So, I mean, it's been really, really cool to watch these guys um, be very fish out of water. Very, Their lives have been very disrupted. And they come back and tell me how grateful they are that I'm forcing them to do that. I love that really cool. uh, that that idea of putting something on the calendar. I think that there's, yeah. you know, you think about the rites of passage in a lot of cultures. Yeah. 
Um, it, we go through certain rites of passage, and I think, unfortunately, that uh, a lot of rites of passage have gone away uh, that yes. should still be there. You know what I mean? But and when you get into certain, yeah, right, we should be millionaires just because we have an idea and because we feel entitled. Uh, <laughs> I should be able to do whatever I want. But yeah. back in the day, you had to you had to be an apprentice uh, for many yeah. positions for a lot of years. And I'm not saying yeah. we should go back to that uh, that that concept because there are certainly flawed um, you know pieces to that. But the idea that you have got to pay your dues, and that at a certain point you decide what that next iteration is going to look like, put it on the calendar, and say from this point forward, I will no longer do this. Um, right. I was debating with somebody recently about that concept, and. Um, you know, they they had made the comment uh, of, well, okay, but, you know, we were going to do this and we were going to do that. And uh, I made that decision. And so, you know, I thought that this was going to be, we were never going to be in a negative situation again. I said, that's not the point. The point is when you make the decision to never again do, you know, go back to that, that point, uh, that, that means that you still have to from decision point to great execution, you still have to develop the skills that it takes to get good yep. at what the next iteration is. You know, we, yep. we talk about um, in our coaching that the Evolve method is initiate, elevate, and then automate. When you initiate yep. something, right. that initiation phase is, I'm going to start a habit. I'm going to start something new. I'm going to say, never again will I go back to this level. But right. that doesn't mean that it's going to become great. Then over time, once you've initiated a yeah. habit or a decision, you find ways to elevate. You know, like you were talking yeah. about, uh, you initiated hiking up a difficult hill. Well, it took you five stops along the way. So the way you elevate that is you keep going. And then along the way, you you only stop three times and then two times and then one time. And then yeah. finally, it becomes so automatic that you go to a hike that was difficult before. and it's automatic. You don't have to think yeah. about it. You just do it and you look back and say, holy shit, this is different. Yeah. Right? And that initiate, elevate, automate mentality is critical for leadership in life. And I believe firmly that if people can make a decision and follow that advice that you gave to your team to put in the calendar that that is the time that you're no longer going to do yeah. X or Y, that you'll find a way to get there, right? Whatever, yeah. I mean, if someone has eight hours in the day to work, guess how long they're gonna work? Eight hours. Someone has four, they're gonna get the same stuff done in four. Yeah. So if you give yourself a timeline and say, this is my timeline where between this time and this time, I have to get good at whatever it is. And you make that decision, you throw it in the calendar, yeah. uh, come hell or high water, if you're committed and you have that discipline, you're going to find the freedom in doing that. So absolutely love what you're talking about. And I love to hear that your team is doing that because I absolutely love your team. Uh, It's been great to have the opportunity to come in there and do multiple uh, leadership trainings with them. They're they're phenomenal people. Um, You're also challenging them in many different ways. I know uh, we've got something coming up together uh, you yeah. and me and, and your team, tell our listeners a little bit about the challenge that we're going to be doing, uh, physically <laughs> together. Cause I, I yes. love this idea. I don't, I, I know you, you say a physical, but it's mental, it's emotional, Sure, but yeah. it's, uh, it's from that book, three simple things. And he, man, he, this guy is hardcore on discipline 
and uh, doing things that people would say, what is the point of that? That's stupid. And yeah. he actually uses that sentence in the book. And, um, and, he, and the big thing that I also have added to my uh, mantra is kill the excuses and, and kill the ego. Um, so we're going to do a 24-hour walk. And it's not a walk of how fast we can walk or how far we can walk. It's a walk of 24 hours. And the parameters of that is you can rest, but when you stop, you can only stop for 10 minutes at a time. And then yeah. you got to start walking again. Yeah. And I loved that it gives hardcore parameters on resting because if it says go walk for 24 hours by about hour for some of my guys, about hour one and a half, they're going to justify resting for seven hours. Yeah. Instead of like, nope, the rule is 10 minutes and you get your butt up and start walking again. We can stop as much as we want, but it's only 10 minutes at a time. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to do this. And I've invited Steve uh, to be a part of this. Um, one, because he can help me carry a couple guys if we have to. But two, yeah. um, we uh, <laughs> Steve's um, ability to uh, instill thoughts and motivation uh, in people is going to be huge on this 24-hour journey. And my guys are like, I mean, they're wigging out, Steve. <laughs> they oh, are. Yeah. Like, we're like, we really doing this? I said, yeah. We're, what do you mean? We, it's on the calendar. It's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. It's done. And, and, and one guy is like, man, I don't know if I, I can barely walk the mailbox and back. I go, well, we better get started walking. Like you better figure it out. Like I said, I, I, I said, do this, get a six hour in, get a 12 hour in, maybe do an 18 hour. I don't know, but do something. So you show up cold Turkey, we're packing you out of this thing and I yeah. don't want to pack you out. Yeah. So get, get ready. Like that's part of the deal. Like get ready. Um, hey, I, mean, I got yeah, a brand can, new hip. I want to go. Yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll wear that hip out. You, uh, you, uh, you, you'll go up one little hill in Utah. You'll think that's the biggest mountain in Ohio. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. well, I've had that. I've had that experience. Yeah, because yeah. you've lived in both places. But I, yeah. I, uh, I just am so excited about this because where these guys are at mentally and emotionally right now, um, they are so much more self-aware and stronger. And more discipline than six months ago. And as I and I and I told him, I said, look, we all know this. Like what got us here won't get us there. Like we we have we have improved as a company in leadership and everything in, in, in within the realms that I'm involved in. It's because they have bought into true principles and they're and they're exercising true principles of leadership. It's not because I created a new wheel, but it's but they but now we're here and and they're like. I go, guys, in order to get to this next level, I I'm going to have to pull most of you that way. And it's going to be very uncomfortable. And you're going to feel like a fish out of water. And you're going to be frustrated, mad, and angry. But when we get there, it's going to also then open up, okay, now what's the next level? And it's never going to stop. Yeah. I said, this 24-hour walk is part of that deal, like realizing mentally, emotionally, and spiritually what you're really capable of. Because the physical, the body can go for 48 hours without a problem. Yeah. I mean, or you're going to be sore. You're going to be thirsty. You're going to be hungry. Right. You could probably go 72, whatever. Yeah. It's the power of controlling the discipline of the mind and the emotions 
is what's going to make this experience amazing. Yeah. And we get all the naysayers. I, I got people I didn't even know in the company come by my office. You know, I'm really going to walk 24 hours. Do you realize how hard that is? I go, do I go, do I realize how hard that is? I go, how hard is it? Apparently, you know more about this than I do. Like, tell you, me how hard this before. is going to be. Yeah. yeah. Have you done it before? You've done it? Like, yeah. Like, I I said, well, I appreciate your comments, but I'm really interested in hearing about it. So, um, you know, whatever. So you have all that and you have all that noise. And I just think it's going to be an amazing uh, experience and opportunity to really journal it really well. And guys to look back and say, in the, in the grand scheme of life, like, did it matter that I walked 24 hours? No. But in the grand scheme of my evolution and disrupting my life to get to better places, it was probably one of the, one of the major hinge points in my life. Yeah. So that's, that's the way I look at it. And so we're excited about that to do that. And we're super pumped. I told him, I said, Steve's coming. Now you guys have to really perform. It's like, <laughs> you're, you're bringing Steve. I'm like, yeah, I'm bringing pocket Hercules. You guys better stand up. So let's go. Nice. You know what might be interesting? You know what might be a little interesting? I mean, I've never done anything like that, but in terms of like military training is to make everybody in the group responsible for everybody else in the group too. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a good point. No one left behind. No, right. man no one left, left behind. behind. Yeah. Because, yeah. because when you stop for that 10 minute break, yeah. now you, not only are you responsible for you, but you have to look around and see who might be struggling and then go give them words of encouragement. Yeah. So that takes the burden off of what your struggles are because you're also responsible for the person that you're working with. You're yeah. responsible for them too. And that might get, uh, build a real tremendous sense of camaraderie. When I got to look out for Casey, I got to look out for Steve and yeah. I got to look out for myself. Yeah, I almost think to that point, I might assign every stop. Here's your, here's your rest, buddy. Make sure you get moving again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a great idea. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I I think it's going to be yeah. a cool challenge. You know, I yeah. uh, I put on my social media um, not some or some time ago uh, that I I've declared war. I'm at war with the mediocrity of modern man, and yeah. uh, I, I genuinely believe that that there is a yeah. uh, there's a war going on, and modern men oh, are oh, absolutely. becoming weaker and are not as challenged. And I believe that that is one of the reasons why uh, men are just not stepping up. And unfortunately, I think we're losing far too many men uh, to yeah. suicide and to uh, yeah. apathy, if nothing else. Yeah. And so I anything that we can do to go to war with modern man, I am a big fan of, you know, oh, how, yeah. do we, how do we dig deeper? How do yeah. we develop the resilience that we need to? How do we develop the yeah. physical strength, the emotional strength, the bandwidth that needs to be there? I don't care yeah. who you are. And I, I have no, yeah. I, don't, I don't know that I really even have any expectations or thought of what this is going to look like other than the fact that I know we're going to reach some breaking points. And, um, you know, breaking points physically, emotionally, I expect that there are going to be breaking points emotionally. Um, and frustrations, and and I believe that uh, through those difficult challenges, that's how that's how we uh, overcome. So, yeah, um, anything anything we can do to be at war against the mediocrity of modern man, I am all for it. Oh yeah, I I love that. Yeah. Well, Casey, a couple of uh, last questions for you as we're coming up on our time. Yeah. Um, what is what is one thing um, that if you were to go back 
three years ago and tell yourself something, what's one thing that you would tell yourself now uh, that would help to push your evolution forward? Something I know now that I could go back and tell myself three years ago. Yeah. It was three years ago. Is that COVID? Because I kind of blocked all that bullshit out of my mind. Uh, yeah, we're in 2023. Ago. So, yeah. 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 Um, it's interesting. You talked about what the going on the walks and stuff. And we would talk quite a bit on the phone on some of those. I was walking a lot and we were living in Vegas and I, I, that was, and I shared some things with you, Steve, but that was, um, that time frame of the uncertainties and frustrations I was experiencing. It was hard. It was extremely emotionally and mentally hard on me, harder than I've ever dealt with anything in my life. Yeah. And I had to still be a dad, a husband, provider, and I had to control myself and I had all those things. Um, and I look back on that often, like uh, walking around Las Vegas uh, for hours on end. Sometimes I would like you listen to the music or podcast or, I listen to uh, some religious talks or whatever, or just silence, uh, music. Sometimes I, I don't know. I mean, I'd go through all sorts of emotions. I sometimes be walking around, with a smile on my face, and I'd be pissed, and maybe crying. Like, it was a crazy time for me. Yeah, which I'm sure it was for a lot of people. And I'm not, I'm not a man on an island on that at all. I know there was lots of people that went through some serious deals, but. I think looking, tell me to look back from today. What would I tell myself then? Um, I would, the one thing that works with discipline is consistency. So mm. it doesn't matter how much I improve every day, as long as I'm consistently going in that direction. And, um, as this going through a training the other day, I'm doing a year long echelon front um, discipline equals freedom type training with these guys through uh, Zoom. And it's every Monday. Uh, anyways, um, they talked about what does winning mean and around consistency and winning, not a ball game or anything, just winning. And I says, if you win three to five days of a week, you've won the week. Like people beat themselves up if they don't win seven days in a row. Mm. I was like, man, that really resonated with me because I'm that guy. Like I, I failed on Saturday. So the week was a waste and I forget how great of discipline I had Monday through Friday. Yeah. And wow. they, they, they said, <clears throat> if you, if you win three, two to three of the weeks of the month, you won the month. Yeah. I'm like, Hmm. And that has really helped me. So I would go back to Casey Mitchell in 2020 and say, consistency wins. The amount of improvement is irrelevant. What's relevant is consistency and discipline and understanding what it means to win. Mm. And that, that would have been extremely helpful and healthy for me to, uh, to have at that time in my life. Cause that was rough. That was really rough. So yeah, sometimes and it you dug yourself like out of winning. it. And you that? dug yourself out of it. Yeah. Like, it's like, 
you know, during the process, sometimes you can't see it. You know, when you're right. digging that, when you're digging out of the hole, you can't see it. But yeah. to be able to look back on it and see where you were, and then come to the current day and you're commenting on it. Yeah, that's a win. That's huge. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, yeah, the whole concept of winning. I think along the lines of what you said earlier about society's attack on on the man on on a male on a on a human goes around. They also attack winning, like yeah, because it's ego and all that. But we, I'm wired to win. Most people are. Like yeah. I don't I don't run in circles with people. Like well, if we. I'm okay if we just kind of get there, we tie, or it's okay. Like everyone gets a trophy. No, that's bullshit. Like I'm going to go win. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't show up to get a trophy. I showed up to win. I, I, you can keep your trophy. I'm going to win. Like that's how I think. I don't, and the scoreboard doesn't always play in my favor, but I don't worry about the scoreboard as much as I worry about where, how am I showing up? Yeah. So I'm, I'm showing up to win. Like that mountain's not going to beat me. And there's, and there's not a dichotomistic view there of that you winning no. means somebody else loses. And that's no, one of the no, things that I think people miss far too often yeah. is that if if you win, that doesn't mean someone else has to lose, right? You, no, you are Everybody can win if they put the effort in. Exactly. Kay, Casey, and they last, pay attention to their self-journey. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I have this like image of like, say, get 10 guys. And they're all together working, but if they're working on their own selves intimately, they're all winning. Yeah. Yes. You can't look at it as, oh, well, Casey's beating me. That that's where the failure comes in. Yeah. Because right. psychologically you've gotten to your place yeah. on your own. So it's yep. like I can easily see like we're winning. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Casey, last question for you. Uh, you you uh, heard us ask this question multiple times uh, as a co-host on this, and now I want to ask it to you. Uh, so if we're talking about disruption, how do you disrupt your life in order to spark new growth? I have learned over in a short time with diving down that rabbit hole of discipline equals freedom that I can, I have the power of choice to choose to disrupt my life in all the right ways. And one thing that I've been working on a lot that I thought I didn't really have an issue with is fear. Hmm. Because fear is the great crippler of success in life. It's okay to be scared of things. Yeah. But when you're, when you have fear, you don't, you don't push forward. And so in my role at visionary homes, my fear is I'm not a academic trained, hardcore leadership type person. I'm not a Tony Robbins. I'm not any of that. I'm not a Steve Cutler. I'm someone who sees true principles, whether they're temporal, eternal, or whatever, and think, how can that help people? But it scares, the fear is, do I know how to help another human being to get to a place where I know they can get to? Mm. 
and what I've worked on with discipline equals freedom is I use the discipline to kill the fear of I'm going to do it. I'm going to show this, whether I show it perfectly or not, but if I show it consistently, then when I talk to my teams about this is what we need to do as leaders, they can't say, well, you're a bunch of hot air because you just sit around and play golf all day or whatever. Yeah. Like I'm hardcore in the trenches of leadership development. I'm doing the same. I'm expecting the same things of myself as I expected them. I expect myself to stretch further than they stretch. And that that's fearful and it's unknown territory. But because of the success I've gotten, it fuels me to keep killing the fear. And, and that, that's all about disruption. I, I don't know how else for me to, it makes sense that, you know, if I'm, if I'm killing fear, I'm disrupting my life in all the right ways. And I'm, I'm in, I'm impatient as most men are that I want to progress quicker, but I, I can tell you that in the past uh, 10 months, the clarity of recognizing my improvement has never been clearer in my life because of being aware of the discipline I want to create and the discipline I want other to help others to create. And that's a huge, that's been a huge win. So I, that, that's how I disrupt. I love that. Well, and on that note, folks, it is time for us to wrap up another episode of the Evolve Podcast. We want to thank our guest, uh, Casey Mitchell, for joining us today and my co-host, W. Miles Riley. Uh, Casey, for people that want to continue to follow your personal evolution, what's the best way for people to do that? I knew you were going to ask me that. You're not going to lie. <laughs> I've, uh, I don't know how I've taken a social media fast, so I don't really doing social media right now but um my email is k m i t c h k mitch 7075 at gmail.com if anyone wants to uh interact or ask questions or chat hit me up on my email and we can figure that out from there but awesome i'm just really not on social media right now so got other things in life and that's great well casey thanks again for coming back on and uh joining us for an episode a great uh enlightening episode i think for a lot of men out there on how to uh implement some of these concepts and principles into uh leadership which leadership weaves throughout uh life as a father as a uh husband as a uh a leader in business you know I, the these these concepts are are extremely important so appreciate you coming back on and hey folks remember that it does take time and consistency to evolve but first you have to disrupt and now it's time for you to get out there and evolve and evolve thank you for listening to this episode of the evolve podcast follow us on your favorite podcast app and if you haven't done so please give us a rating as an independent podcast, it really helps us get more reach. This podcast is part of our mission to help millions of people evolve into the best versions of themselves. Please check out our coaching services at evolve-cast.com or pick up some of our Evolve merch. Until next time, keep evolving.